I'm a big believer that experience teaches. My goal with this show is to have guests to share their experience so that they can tell you what it's like, what they did right and what they did wrong. And I'm gonna share the same. Look, I'm not trying to regurgitate stuff you can find on the internet. I'm gonna tell you how it really is and what it's really like to own your own place. This is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast with your host, Kyle and Sarah. All right, this is the National Restaurant Owners Podcast, and if this is your first time here, uh, I'm your host, Kyle and Sarah, and if it's not your first time here, what about that intro? Huh? Sounding more professional by the day here. Um, shout out to my man, Michael Cussman, does voiceover work over on Fiverr, so if you need any of that type of work, he is your man. The guy could not have been more accommodating and more uh communicative in the process and was really fast with edits and got this to me in less than 24 hours so uh, i had been putting it off for a bit but i'm glad i hooked up with mike and he made it happen so if you need that type of work hit him up um today's guest is my man good friend eric wilson now eric works as a consultant for empire merchants here in the new york metro area um they are a purveyor of spirits and I got to tell you, there is not one sales consultant, liquor rep, beer rep, anybody in the industry that is more professional and more well-spoken and more like he's a true advisor, a true consultant, which is what what these guys should be. And, and we all know that's not always the case. So um, he really stands out in a crowd um, and really goes above and beyond to provide um you know, insight and perspective into the industry in terms of buying patterns, in terms of what your customers may be into, new products coming in the market, where you can save money. Um, so you got to get into that relationship a little bit more with your reps and, and have them understand what their role is sometimes. Eric is the preeminent guy when it comes to that. He is the role model, if you ask me. But you're going to hear all about that in the show. What you're not going to hear too much about and I feel like I need to put it out there because when he said this to me, and even knowing him for years, I'm like, damn, dude, when you put this down here, I mean, this is some impressive shit right here. So um, so Eric played football for the University of Michigan. And if you're like my age uh, in, in your mid-40s, you remember that from 1996 to 2000 when Eric was there, they were a dominant team, right? Like they, when Michigan played, you put on the TV and – Eric was captain of that team in 2000. And while that while he was there, they were also Big Ten champions three times. They also beat, I believe, and I forget, I think the quarterback was Ryan Lee for the time. I forget what college he's from. He kind of faded out in the NFL. But anyway, um, they beat them and were national champions one year. Eric was the defensive MVP of the Citrus Bowl. He went on to play 11 years professional football with the Detroit Lions and the Miami Dolphins, headed over to Europe, played in Hamburg, NFL Europe, Hamburg, Germany, then went on to win two Grey Cups with the CFL in Canada for Winnipeg and Montreal. Lots of diving into that Montreal experience in this episode. And if you know anything about restaurants, you know why. Um, he is also, like I said, he is working with... Um, the New York chapter of Merging Combat Vets and Professional Athletes. He's also part of the Those Who Stayed Michigan football platform, and he's also Hall of Fame health ambassador. Now, look, I got to tell you, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel like lazy. 
<laughs> but you know, he is bottom line one of the nicest, uh, you know, most down to earth and knowledgeable just about like like life. Like my man knows about life and you know leadership and you know taking care you know men's health issues and and just you know he, he's very knowledgeable super friendly guy and and you know we had a lot of laughs on the show so i hope you guys enjoy um but yeah this is my man eric wilson on episode 69 of the national restaurant owners podcast check it out you guys know how important i feel vibe is to your restaurant or your bar it's everything and just to give you an example have you ever noticed how the energy of of your restaurant or your bar totally changes when there's something on your TV that's not engaging like sports? I have a solution for you. Atmosphere TV is the first and only TV product of their kind built specifically for use in your restaurant. You may recognize their flagship channel, Chive TV, in addition to 40-plus other amazing high-definition content channels, including Red Bull TV, X Games TV, Beach Bum TV, America's Funniest Home Videos, and much, much more. Built and proven to keep your guests sitting, eating, drinking, and of course, spending more money. The best part is Atmosphere remains 100% free for listeners of this podcast. Just use the code KYLE at checkout to have your setup fee waived and receive your device today. That's atmosphere.tv and use the code KYLE, K-Y-L-E, to receive your free device today. Yeah, exactly. All right, we're live, man. This is it. All right, guys, we are uh, back with the National Restaurant Owners Podcast, and this is going to be a special treat today. I mean, I don't, I don't even, I feel weird even trying to introduce you. I just feel like I'm talking to you on a Zoom call. This is my buddy, Eric Wilson. Eric, what's going on, man? Not much, brother. I'm doing, I'm doing well, man. I'm uh, back to life again. A lot, oh, of yeah. shit, a, lot of, a lot of shit happened over the last year, man. So uh, just getting back to it, man. Just, uh, yeah. just happy, happy to be where I am today. So. Yeah, I mean, I mean, do you want to talk about that? That's a little, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, I'll run down. Uh, <laughs> December 10th, went to bed fine. December 11th, woke up. Um, didn't feel well, man. And uh I'll, I'll keep it as short as I can, but uh, dropped my kids at school, came back home, wasn't feeling well. I said, listen, man, I'm going to have to gonna drive uh, to the uh, Caremount, walk in, kind of see what's going on. And uh, started sweating, started dry heaving. I didn't know what was going on, man. It was, it was yeah. crazy, something I've never felt before. Uh, I got there, walked in. It's like 28 degrees. I got a short sleeve shirt on and I'm sweating. And I'm like, this is not good. I speak to the lady at the front. She's like, it's going to be like an hour and a half. I'm like, I don't think I have that time. How, and, the uh, how do they do that? How do they look at you like, you're just going to have to wait? Oh, that's crazy. All right, bro, go ahead. Sorry. No, no idea. But I walk back out to my car. I try to call my, my regular doctor. I can't get a hold. But I walk back and now I'm like doubled over. She's like, sir, I'd recommend that you go to the ER. And so I don't think that she knew that I was by myself. Right. I drive myself uh, from Yorktown over to Mount Kisco uh, so to like the hospital. What, 20 minutes, 25 minutes? 30 minutes. 30, 30 minutes. minutes. Um, longest, god, 30 min- longest 30 minutes of my yeah, life. Yeah, man, my god. I stopped three times. Again, I'm, I'm bent over on the side of the road. I don't know what's going on. I get into the hospital. I actually park my car because I feel like I'm a good human. 
I could. I've talked to so many other people. They're like, "No, man, yeah. I pull that thing right up to the front." And I'm uh, out. Yeah, exactly. So I I park my car. I get the ticket. I walk in. I'm like, "Listen, um, something's wrong." She's like, "All right, let's get it." Um, so come to find out, uh, this is something that I've never had a conversation with in my life. You always talk about heart attacks or cancer or an injury or a surgery or something. Come to find out, I had gallstones. Um, gallstones, gallbladder, pancreas, pancreas, never had these conversations in my life. Uh, come to find out I had gallstones and that morning, and I'm going to, you know, it was a bubbly drink. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, (laughs) but I think it kind of like aggravated that the gallstones got stuck in my bile duct of my pancreas and my liver. So it was going sideways. Um, they ran the test, uh, come to find out I had a severe case of pancreatitis. I ended up being, I was in the hospital for 12 days. Um, and, uh, I met with a GI doctor when I was there. He said, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to get you out by Christmas. I'm like, that would be great. Cause my kids, uh, would be devastated and, yeah. um, COVID check COVID floor. Um, my wife was able to come a few hours, uh, during the day, which, you know, during this time was, uh, was crazy. Yeah. I didn't know if I'd see her. The first six days I was there, I had no idea what was going on. It was just IV and painkillers, you know, kind of back and forth. Pancreatitis, I wish upon no one. Wow. Like the, the pain was uh the pain was a disaster. Like it just it was it was incredible. Um and after that it was just a lot of jello, man. Ate a lot of jello <laughs> when I was in the hospital. <laughs> was, no, that doesn't I mean that sounds good, but it's not good, right? No, it, long, it, like, yeah, no. No, I it's couldn't, you know, when, when these things were stuck, it was, you know, I, I couldn't use the bathroom, I couldn't eat, I couldn't the only thing I could do was dry heave and uh, you know, try to make it through the day. And Jeez. um so the crazy thing is I went in at like two ninety which I shouldn't have been at 290, but everybody knows what happens during COVID. <laughs> COVID couple pounds, um, man. Yeah, well, I shouldn't have been there. I, I opened some <laughs> things. You know, I was uh, about, and I say this, you know, lightly, but 95% vegan for about five years. You know, besides, you know, there were some oils and some eggs and things like that. Yeah. But I gave up meat. I gave up dairy. Um, and I ate a little bit of fish when I went out. So that's where I get the 95%. But went into the hospital 290. Um, I gained 22 pounds of water weight when I was there. So when I played, and we'll kind of get into that in a little bit, but yeah, I, uh, the heaviest I was when I played was about 310. So I was up to 312 and I was bet. like, dude, I look like the, you ever saw the Nutty Professor? I, I look like <laughs> from my chest down, I look like the Nutty Professor. When I went to oh get out of the God, hospital, man. When, I, when I went to get out of the hospital, I could barely put my ankles in my tennis shoes with the laces up, you know, it what, was, so you, you retain water with this, obviously. I mean, is yeah, that what I mean, you, I, you can't, can't go. Yeah. Right. I, I wasn't eating anything. So it was all IV. I mean, they were the large bags, like 22 pounds a bag and it was like all day. And I think my organs couldn't absorb anymore. So it was just retaining in my, you know, in my body. So um, this was, they expected you to have that. They expected that to happen. They're like, you're going to blow up a little bit. You know what? I have no clue. All I know is, <laughs> all I know I'll is, Google, I was I'll Google it. I'll Google it. I was alive, um, and and the Jello was amazing. You know, that's that's where I was. I was I was just happy to be, you know, where I was. I understood that I was under some amazing care, um, and everything was moving in the right direction. So, 
the GI doctor was correct. I got out on uh, the 23rd, so I was there for 12 days and wow. uh, got out on the 23rd, surprised my kids, uh, and we hugged and we cried. And, uh, you know, after Daddy finally sat down, you know, they sat on my lap and they were like, Daddy, I've never seen you cry before. I was like, holy shit, man. You know what? Wow. I need to cry more often, right? Like, you know, yeah, as right. a man, as a, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I was sure. like, it's okay to cry. And yeah. you know what? My kids liked it. So I was like, I need to cry more. Like, Let's all is, cry. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, this yeah. is awesome. <laughs> but from the time that I got home on the 23rd until the 31st, New Year's Eve, again, I wasn't eating a ton when I was in the hospital, jello, whatever, some small meals. I lost yeah. 50 pounds. 5-0. So I lost 50 pounds in one week, which is not good regardless oh, yeah, of your, not, not, yeah, not advisable. Wow. Of, man. How, of, how, of how you're trying to lose weight, right? So long story short, I follow up with the GI doctor about two weeks later. Um, and he tells me, he's like, Eric, I got to tell you, man, you didn't dodge a bullet. You dodged an atom bomb. And I was like, why? What's up? He's like, I'm glad to see you're smiling. We're laughing. He goes, I got to tell you the truth. One out of five, 20% of people wouldn't have walked out of the hospital the way you were. Wow. And I was like, wow, can I give you a hug? He's like, no, COVID. I'm like, cool, man. We'll just like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll yeah, like, yeah, right. We'll, we'll Let's cry together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I lost 50 pounds. I scheduled, had my gallbladder out down to Columbia on January 25th. And I've been able to keep off the weight. I'm down. Actually, I graduated high school at 262. I'm about 254 now. And, um, you know, when people see me, they're like, yo, what? Like, yeah. who are you? I'm You're like, a wide I'm receiver. You're a wide receiver now. Exactly. I told them I'm playing tight end. I just can't. I don't know if I can catch the ball, bro. I'm playing I'm playing tight end now. So, but That'd yeah, so that, that went down. Yeah. Crazy, crazy times. Holy shit. You know, during all this COVID thing too, I just blessed where I was at that my wife was allowed to be on the floor for a few days. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's, dude, it changed my life. It's just, uh when he told me that i realized like one out of five people wouldn't have walked out i was like you know what i got a better perspective of what's uh what's in front of me Shit. so yeah incredible i know i remember because we've been trying to get this show on for a little while and then you were like i'm actually just going into the hospital or getting out of the hospital i'm like what the hell happened that's crazy it's wild man so i mean good for you you're out you're feeling better you look good so what what else is going on? Like what I mean, back to work. Let's I mean, where do we want to start here? There's so much to get into. Yeah, man. So okay, so we'll we'll, we'll touch on work and then we can kind of go to the backstory of things. But uh, work for Empire Merchants. Uh, yeah. New York's uh, one of the New York's largest distributors. Um, you know, within uh within the state of New York. Um, you know, Southern being uh, the largest, also nationally. Um, but I've been there for about eight and a half years. I just, Has it been uh, that long? Holy shit! Yeah, wow. man, you know that. You know That's that. Crazy. I remember going through the process with you guys open Popatina, right? Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> yeah, I remember the party, Jim's party. Yep, absolutely. We did. We did some cool things. We had the suit fitting there. You know, we did. Some, yeah, it was, it was fun, man. We had we had a good time. Um, but yeah, I've been in that world uh, in the sales side for uh, yeah almost eight and a half years now, and. Um, you know, things went down last year when we went into the pandemic. Um, they cut the division uh, July, late July from like 40 reps to like 15. And um, I made the cut. So that tells me that I was doing something right. And yeah. uh, but then they furloughed everybody. Um, everybody. And they, fur they, they basically 
cut the division and then they put everybody on furlough. And wow. um, so we, you know, we were on there. Some people started to come back September 1st, uh, mostly in Westchester and Long Island because their restaurants were, were far, you know, Open, far yeah. yeah, past what the what the city's doing. And, and you know, ninety five percent of my run is in Manhattan, so I was uh, I was on the back end of that. And uh, yeah. finally, you know, Westchester, Long Island uh, came back. They they brought back a few more people in November, and then I just came back on uh, March eighth. And uh, so it was almost one year from when the pandemic hit that I came back, and it's a whole another canvas that's just oh, yeah. we're, we're kind of repaint, you know, and try to figure out how this is moving forward, you know? And so I'll tell you what, I, I got a big education when, you know, obviously you and I had connected through a mutual friend first, but so many restaurant operators have this like disdain or they don't really understand the relationship between their reps and how they can help out. And you really opened my eyes to that process. Can, can you just give a little bit of insight on how you go about like how you, how you view a restaurant account and what your role is in that, in that position? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, in the state of New York, it's um, I have a portfolio. My portfolio, if you're a restaurant owner, you have to order through me or order through Empire. Um, you know, you have different reps for different portfolios. And that's kind of how, you know, the commission works. Right. So if I hold my brands very, you know, tight to me, um, but I also work with the suppliers that can help work with the restaurants or the right. clubs or the event spaces so that's the biggest thing i think is a relationship to the brand um no matter who puts the who puts the order in we all get commission right? right so there's some accounts where listen man it's a high wine account and yeah i'll have a chat but if they're not doing you know 95 percent of my portfolio is spirit based so right. if it's a huge wine account, I'll help out where I can. But most likely, the wine rep is going to have that relationship, and and uh, right. and it's building relationships with those other reps as well to bring us in and make an introduction, discuss brands, and see how we can you know uh, help out the restaurant. Because I always start off, I said, listen, man, I'm an extension of your business. I'm I'm here to help because if you're winning, I'm winning. And right. If I'm winning, you're winning, and hopefully we can make that we can you know have a partnership and work together. Um, but it's also it's also introduction to new brands, um, you know things that work for the type of venue. Um, there's brands that work, and there's brands that do not work. And so yeah. on the rep side of things, you know when you, when you're in the sales part is understanding first of all what type of account you're walking into. You know, is a white tablecloth? Is it, uh, you know, a watering hole, a hole in the wall place, or is it a sports bar? Is it, you know, you need to be able. And I always tell people, I'm the pendulum, right? I'm the guy between the supplier and the buyer, and we're trying to meet at that common ground for yeah. success. You know, for success. And and again, I'm an extension of of how we operate. And um, <clears throat> you know, it's like I said, it's understanding the venue, and then trying to educate. Um, because the education part is huge, not only for the, the owner or the buyer, but also the staff, the people that are making the cocktails that are serving yeah. drinks. Like the more knowledge they have, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those sayings, knowledge is power. Right. And, yeah. and they're, and I relate to them because they're, you know, they're a part of your sales as well. You know, they're selling a product. Oh, yeah. They're the front line. Yeah, for right. sure. So you, yeah, you try yeah. to educate them. 
for sure. I mean, that's the thing is what so many, I think, operators look at like, no, 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 we don't use that rye. We use a different one. And they're so close-minded and they don't realize, you know, either a cost savings or maybe, you know, customers might like that one more. They're often driving the bus of what they like, or they're saying like, you know, I don't have time to do this now. I'm not interested. I think it's, it's, it's really an opportunity to do similar to like what I do. I'm between the landlord and the tenant. And a lot of times, you know, working for one side or the other, my role, I don't see it, even though we're, you know, my job was to protect one side or the other is to really make this work for everybody, right? Like this has got to be something that we all have to agree on. And I think that's, I see your role as being the same. Absolutely. 100%, you know, and, and it's the other thing, you know, people have purchasing patterns, right. That you, yeah. you start to understand. And it's, you know, again, it's the communication line. I, I tell people, I don't need to be the guy all the time, but I do respect when the line of communication is open so yeah. that I can email, text, phone call you, you know, and, and if there's a product that you're ordering and you're ordering four bottles out of a six pack, it's like, yeah. let's have a conversation. I, you're paying, yeah. you know, you're paying different charges when you're ordering single bottles versus cases and yeah. deep discounts on cases. Like I just, I just, uh, I work hard to have the line of communication open so that we can have these discussions as you build your brand, you build your, you know, your uh, venue um, and be able to, to help you, you know, because listen, it's my due diligence and my job to help you at yeah. the end of the day. Right. I mean, listen, I make more commission if you buy single bottles and I'll, you know, as a sales yeah. rep, you're like, that sounds great, but it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Right. right? And I need to educate the the uh, venue that if you buy in this way you can save thousands of dollars oh, if yeah. you have the opportunity to purchase in a, in a in a different pattern you know that buying pattern is really important because you know getting caught up in when you order and what you order you have to have like a deep understanding of your inventory and what you're selling it really is a numbers game and it does a lot of times hey it may make sense to buy three cases of this whiskey because no, you're not going to go through it in this month, but maybe the price is so good. There's, I think my point is a lot of owners push off this because they think they're being sold something and sales has like this like connotation of like, oh, you just want to make commission. Well, yeah, that's how I feed my family. But at the end of the day, if you never buy from me again, what, what the hell was that for? It was everybody, waste of time for everybody. Right. Absolutely. And and like I said, it's just, it's, it's educating, giving them the information. It's the leading the horse to water, right? Yeah. I just want to be, I want to be respected that I'm giving you the correct information that you can play with, Yeah. but I can't, I can't make you drink. I can't make you drink the water. You know, if yeah. I, I have, I have, I have accounts that order hundreds of cases of a certain product. And, you know, again, I try to tell them, Hey, if you would buy this way, because your history shows you that you're going to use this specific mm -hmm. brand moving forward and you buy it every month that it's, financially smarter if you purchase this way but i can't make you do it you know yeah, and right. it will save you annually thousands of dollars and we all know you know where we're at now and yeah. people you know it's uh it, things are starting to open and people are getting a little bit more comfortable with you know spending a little bit more in certain avenues 
but again, it's just it's just having that line of communication open and being able to chat with somebody. And and again, yes, we're in sales, but I'm also an extension of your business, and I want to educate yeah. you on certain things about you know how to how to do it better. Hopefully, so I mean that's that's I mean that's 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 it's something as an owner that you can actually push off to somebody. Say, okay, you're telling me how much am I buying? What's the cost? How much would I save? Not asking them them to do the math. You're telling them. And I think a lot of owners hold on to that. Like, don't, don't tell me. Like, it's it's always a fucking ego thing. That's what it is. But you know what I want to talk about is is it's interesting to get your perspective. We talked about this the other day, your perspective on what's going on with restaurants in the city, right? Obviously, you can go there and you can look around and you can feel, but what are you seeing on in terms of purchasing? Oh man, it's uh you know, it's a different, like I said before, man, it's a different canvas. We're painting a different picture right now. Um, you know, I come back, have a lot of brand new accounts on my run, uh, something I'm trying to digest as well. Um, you and I know it's like going into a restaurant and a guy that I used to deal with is no longer there. He's moved to Miami. You know, it's like, okay, who am I dealing Amen. with now? Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah. You just got back from Miami. It was like, yeah, oh my God. I want to go. I was looking at a picture today. I want to go back this weekend. Exactly. They probably got cheap plates, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'll take it. I'll pay. I'll pay full price. <laughs> but no, it's um, you know, the counts that are still around, um, you know, some are struggling. Some are day to day. You know, and and you walk in, and uh, you know, I was just down in Tribeca yesterday with a brand, you know, a few new accounts that are brand new to my run. You know, and it's just uh, getting in there, making an introduction, getting a contact, and starting that communication. You know, because. I want to take that off of your plate. You know, I want to be able to give you the information that helps you. But yep. until that line of communication is open, it's very hard to do. And um, that's your value, though, because I think, you know, with all the information that's out there, middlemen are in a tough position if you can't provide value beyond just, just handing over the product. If I can't just deliver you space, then what the hell is my value? You could go find space on your own. But like to your what you do, and and I would encourage anybody. I don't know if you're in the business of taking on new accounts, but is to, to seek out a conversation with you or or a rep like you and find out, okay, how can we help each other here? Because that value add is so important, especially right now. Yeah, it's a it's a long game. I mean, and I hope people think about that. You know, when they when they do own places, it's about the long game and how I'm going to succeed you know, yep. moving forward, because right now it's tough, man. You're dealing, I mean, you deal with it on your side with the landlords and, and talking about, you know, trying to have that conversation, right? Yeah. How am I surviving here? Are we going to work together to make this last or is it cut and dry and you're out? I got yeah. places that just walked away. I talked to a guy, hey man, I'm back. How you doing? He's like, landlord and I didn't make it and uh, we closed up. Like, that's it. You know, mm. there was no conversation. They didn't want to work together, whatever it is, you know, yeah, so right. I'm I'm, 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 you know, running around and you know, I put in like nine and a half miles on my feet yesterday, walking That's around the city, just, um, visiting places that weren't on my run before, you know, hope, Oh, there's black boards on the window. You're like, okay, it's probably you know, <laughs> not looking probably, good. Yeah, yeah. Not looking good. So, you know, my, you know, my due diligence is making notes too, and feed that up the ladder just so that, you know, our, our company understands, Hey, I'm on the street. This is what I saw. This is who I talked to. This is who I didn't, you know, and, and where these places are right now. Some places have a ton of inventory, you know, oh, from right. a year ago. And so, listen, it's one day at a time. That's it. 
That's how I'm taking yeah. it, you know, and, and reaching out, building the relationships that I had before that I still have accounts with, and then building the new ones I'm uh, just getting to know. I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty vital information because it kind of lets you know the real, you know, it's like when they show you like the purchases on CNBC, like the gross domestic product and all that stuff. It's an indicator of how healthy something is. If people are not spending a lot, like that's a good point. They weren't planning on closing, right? So they had all this inventory. They thought they're going to be open. So vodka and all that stuff doesn't go bad, right? So they're still sitting there waiting for it to go. Um, so what's your, what's your sense? I mean, I really feel once this kind of whatever, whatever the, the justification is, um, yeah, you guys, you're going to be running around like a madman because people want to, people are ready to drink. Right. Well, it's gonna if be Miami's like, any indicator, if Miami's any indicator, I'm just saying New York is ready for one hell of a late summer, early spring, if you ask me, uh, early fall. I, I, I look at it as like, uh, I'm hoping that it's like the roaring 20s, man. And people Amen. are people Amen. are jamming and people are looking to get out. People are looking to spend time with their friends. And, you know, it's, and one thing I've noticed is, in, in talking to people is, people are posting up at one place for longer amounts of time rather yeah. than hopping around, right? Yeah. And so if you have a savage place or you have something that people want, you have a guy, you know, we talk about social media a lot. If you've been if you've been working and you put in that time of, of doing your social media platform with your cocktails and your food and this and that, and people want to go there, people are going to stay there. Yeah. Because it, they don't have that option right now to be hopping in and out of places, especially if you have a larger crowd. So yeah. I think people are really like, hey, we are going here. And we're going to have a great time. And as yeah. things start to open up, man, I, I think it's going to be like the Roaring Twenties. I think people are going to enjoy the afternoons a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm I mean, we're all looking forward to it. Yeah. So let's um, let's go back to what you used to do. I mean, let's get into some of those stories. That's what you know. That you're my real first guest who rides that line between. I got to think about that. Is that true? Yeah. That like rides the line between you have restaurant information. But provide some entertainment aside from the restaurant stuff. So, give everybody a little bit of backstory on on your prior career. So, I re I, I was retired in 2012. You want to get a cigar <laughs> for this one, dude? I I, already, <laughs> I I had mine already today. I had mine already. All right, let me get one then. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I you know uh, grew up in Michigan. Um, graduated uh, in '96. And um, played football, man. That was that was my life. I remember growing up in a small town in in Michigan, wearing my maize and blue. And uh, I told my mom at a young age, man. She's like, you know, you always wear that Michigan gear. I'm like, I'm gonna play football at the University of Michigan. And she's like, okay, great. You know, do, do oh, yeah. like I grew, I grew up Catholic. The garbage you know? out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I grew up Catholic, right? In so Monday night I had catechism, which is like a Catholic, you know, it's like a Catholic study to, you know, get, you know, to move through the system. And um, I always, we would play, you know, tackle, tag football, whatever. And I always had to leave at halftime to go to catechism. And I was so mad. I was so wow. mad at my mom. She would look at And I'm like, mom, you know, it's the halftime of the game. Like, we got to get in the car. Okay, cool. Like I got in the car on a Monday, on, on a Monday? Monday nights, on Monday nights, Monday nights. Wow. I, it, it was, yeah. So it was, 
you know, that was that was a tough thing, but you know, we made it through. But no, it was you know, at a young age, I was like, I, I want to play football. So long story short, go through high school, play both ways: offensive guard, linebacker, defense tackle, um, and then um, had uh, was pretty highly recruited. You know, my top three, you know, opportunities were Penn State, uh, Tennessee, and uh, the University of Michigan, and. Um, you know, I had full ride scholarships to all of them. And I said, you know, wow. I remember after a game coming off in, in high school and I, you know, my mom, you know, was hugging me after the game. Great job. And uh, I, you know, I gave her a hug and I said, mom, turn around. There was, a, I don't know, a little kid wearing a, like a Michigan jacket. I said, I know where I'm going. And uh, she turned around. She was like, oh, you know, we, we celebrated. Oh, and then, yeah. you know, you have signing day and stuff like that. So I went to Michigan. Hold on. Where were you? How close? Yeah. I mean, even though even though you grew up wearing the Michigan jersey, playing football with it on as a kid and said you were going to go there, how much thought did you give to the other two schools? I mean, listen, man, before everything went down, you know, with the crazy stuff at Penn State and, uh, oh, you know, man. I sat – I, I sat a few times in my life with Joe Paterno, you know, and dude, he was one of the best, you know, I and walking in and like meeting God. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's very funny. Quick story is I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a recruiting trip to Penn state and I'm sitting in the chair and, uh, and there was a few guys there and my, my family, my mom, uh, my mom and dad came with me and, uh, I feel this hand on my shoulder and I'm like, Oh, I turn around as Joe Paterno. Right. And he says, you must be that boy from Michigan. We don't get too many of those around here. I was like, yo. <laughs> but he would love like, to. He would love to get a hand on his hands. I was like, man, okay, this is cool. So, um, you know, after I after I went to see some schools, I was like, why? You know, not that I needed to be near home, but why did I need to go anywhere else, man? The yeah. history, the tradition of the University of Michigan. I was like. I have the best opportunity in the world right here and I'm not passing it up. And I was like, and I put everything else aside. I canceled yep. the rest of my trips. I said, I'm not messing around. Let's get this done and move forward. So went to Michigan from 1990, from 96 to 2000. Um, when we used to win championships, that's what I say. Cause they do, you know, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a rough stint, man. Like I, I tell people, and this is, the, I am the last team to win in columbus was that what year was that uh, 99 or 2000 99. right oh, the wow. last team to win in columbus like when i when i say it to myself i got chills on my arm going <laughs> dude it is Too long. 2021 wow so that, you know for, for me it was like that's a, is that the, it's been a long dry spell for that i mean that's got to be that, Dude, that's back and forth. Yeah, that's got to be the long one of the longest. It is. It's not good. We'll just say that. You know, for the, <laughs> for the Michigan no alone. No one in Michigan wants to remember this period. No, not yeah. at all. When I say it, they're like, "Wow, that was." But anyway, you know, it, it was a dude. We had a killer recruiting class. I mean, the people that I played with, you know. We went forty-three and eight. We won three Big Tens, oh, a national championship. We went four straight New Year's Bowl games. Like, dude, it was I, – I tell – you know, and it's funny. I go back to Michigan, and the guys are like, yo, don't you wish – like, brand-new facilities. Like, yeah. old, I, they have an indoor facility. I think you can make it snow, you know, if you need yeah, to. Yeah, thanks to you. 
Thanks to you. Right. All that <laughs> they're playing in your locker room. Yeah. But they're uh, yeah. like, dude, they got like a PlayStation room, a smoothie. And they're like, dude, don't you wish you had all this? I'm like, no, because I have I have these. I have these. I have like eight. <laughs> Sounds rings, like when you take it away, actually. Yeah, I have seven. I think seven or eight rings from Michigan. Holy you know, and, and, and you know what's funny? Now we're talking about this. So I'm going to show you this ring right here. It's it's yeah. funny because it's sitting here. I didn't put this here. It was uh, <laughs> it was from a different uh, Zoom that I was doing. Um, but that's that's the M ring. That's the ring that you get when you graduate the University of Michigan. So that that to me is there's a lot of guys that came through that never you know they left early uh, yeah. that they never went and something you take away from the University of Michigan is one of the largest alumni in the world. Oh yeah. And I have that ring. And so when I put that on and people see that like oh shit man like yeah you're that's real. You know, but I mean, you guys had you had some studs on that team. Who's on? Who who were some of the guys that you played with there? I think I, 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 I played. I played with a guy that just launched the uh, that avocado tequila. Uh, <laughs> That's what he's best great. known for. <laughs> he's really. <laughs> Let's be honest. I mean, the tequila is really going to be his story. Yeah, dude, all day. No, I played with Tom Brady for four years. I played with Charles Woodson. Um, Hall of Famer, and, Tom, Charles Woodson, right? He's a Hall of Famer now. Yeah, isn't but he? also Steve Hutchinson. So Steve Hutchinson was my roommate for four years and played with Minnesota, played with Seattle. He uh -huh. got inducted to the Hall of Fame last year. Oh, wow. So because they didn't have the class, I think they're inducting, and Charles got inducted this year, so they're going to do both classes. So I get an oh, email. Yeah. I get. I was in Hutch's wedding, like, you know, his wife, Landon, such a beautiful woman, and it is, I get an email on my phone, and I, I was out with somebody. I'm like, yo, you ever get one of these on your phone? It was an invitation <laughs> to his induction to the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. That's I insane. Yes. I said, Sad. man, we, we're going to make this one. We're going to, I said, I don't get too many of these on my phone either, but you yeah. Know, it's don't, gonna, you hate, don't you hate when you get those emails? <laughs> it's going to be man. cool though, because I think they're doing both classes at once to see Hutch and Woodson get inducted at the same time. Like you can't buy that. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's pretty cool. That means you, so you were, I mean, that team was, I remember that team and it was like, I mean, that was the Heisman year, right? For him with the end zone against Notre Dame. Was that Notre Dame? That whole thing. I mean, yeah. and I mean, honestly, people who don't know football will probably know Brady. He wasn't even the starter for you guys, was he? He, he started a little bit. Him and, um, you know, it was before it was uh, Greasy. Scott Dreisbach and then uh -huh. Brian Greasy and then Tom Brady. And then when Tom Brady, you know, when uh, Greasy left, Tom started a few games and then Drew Henson came in. Drew Henson. And so Drew, they, they switched, you know, they, they split time. Yeah, and I remember him. I remember Tom Brady. You know, most of the guys now you see it. It's televised. It's it's uh you know uh, social media. You know they got their whole families having parties. They're like this. yeah. I remember Tom Brady was like, um, you know, he told his agent, "I'm gonna be at the San Francisco Giants game. Um, call me if something happens." And wow. <laughs> to you know to 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 see it blows my mind playing with this guy and to where he's at. You know right. because. You could always tell that he had something inside. It was just, did he have the opportunity at that time? And it took a little bit longer, and you can't touch the guy now. You know, no, I, well, I mean, I, I always, you know, I Giants fan, New Yorker, Jets fan, never liked to see him on the other side of the ball, but I never believed that he was a systems quarterback. 
or I don't I don't believe now. I mean, he just kind of proved it. I mean, unless he brought the system with him and everybody with him, <laughs> I just think he's smart. I mean, you see him do shit that you try to teach kids, quarterback kids from in sixth grade. Throw the ball away, don't get in, don't force it. He'll, you know, I just think he's smart as shit and just pisses people off that he's that makes it look that easy. And I love it because he plays by those rules, right? And he keeps them close to him. He says, I can I can try to make or I can make a right decision. Yeah. Right. And I think by him making the right decisions in those certain situations, he's a master. Yeah. You know, he's a master. So you see some of these young quarterbacks trying to make plays. He knows exactly when he needs to make a play and when he needs to throw that ball away. You yeah. know, so th I think that's the difference, you know. I mean, he's not, I mean, by all accounts of other athletes in the league, he's probably not one of the best. He's not the best vertical. He's not the strongest, right? He's definitely not the fastest. Bro, so, if, I mean, you saw him run his four, if you saw him run his four, oh, yeah. four <laughs> <and> the, <laughs> yeah, the, you the know picture, what? The picture of his draft day, that's, that's, oh. a, that's iconic. I mean, Bro, that's, and, it, and you start to figure out that those things, you know, they matter for some and they don't matter for others. Right. That's why when you try to fit the, you know, the, the round peg into the square hole, sometimes it doesn't fit. But guess what? The round hole is right over here and you can put it in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop, stop jamming this. You know, again, it's, it's, it's talking to teaching individuals and people rather than groups. Right? Why are we still checking? I check circles and don't judge me. Everybody checks boxes. I check circles. I like but that. Listen, I like the circles better. When you check the box and you just continue to do that, what happens to the individual person? Why are we not, you know, why are we not setting people up for glory instead of failure? Right? Yeah. Why do we continue to jam people in the same hole? And it's like, yeah. dude, I don't fit over there, man. I'm here. Yeah. That relates to people. Anybody can relate to that, right? Like, I mean, Absolutely. why do you feel like you're forcing something in a relationship, in a job, in a business, in a whatever? And if you just make one little tweak, you could be right in your cut, and that's that's the name of the game right there. hundred. You and I talked about it. What yeah. you guys are doing at Saber and how you're doing it. Yeah. I told you, man, I love watching this stuff. I ain't, Listen, I'm not mm -hmm. buying any commercial spots lately, but I, I, I'm like, yo, that's like, uh, that's like an old school like hip-hop video, <laughs> which I'm like, I would watch all day long. Yeah, I don't even need to know what you're selling. Right. To me, I like the direction that you're taking, you know, and, and you connected with somebody who let you do that, right? Who yeah. let the leash out and said, Kyle, be Kyle. And that's the and, thing. It's, it's that it's that we, we talk about that, too, even with some people on the team there that haven't found their way yet. It's like you just be you. Like if you're you, what does that look like? And you're going to find some magic in there. And that's that's what it is. Maybe you're not. You know, in all these businesses, there's so much like you got to look a certain way. You got to dress a certain way. You got to. You know, look, I show space. I can get a pair of keys that you can't get and open the door. What else can I do besides that to get my name out there? Look, anything in, in between, right? And I think that's the name of the game. And and I, I'm 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 thrilled by it. I don't know another way to do it. Absolutely. I mean, I, I remember you telling me the story about the tie in your pocket all the time. Oh, like, gosh. dude, I don't want to need a tie. I don't, I don't need, need a tie. A tie. No. I have the keys. The keys are the yeah. most important thing. You know, yeah, you want me to put on my tie and don't have the keys? Well, shit out of luck then, right? Like, yeah. what, what are we doing? So, I mean, and no. what does that really mean? Like, what does that really mean? If I can tell you that I know that that grease trap is too, that's not a big enough grease trap for this size operation, we're going to need to put in the LOI that they're going to have to upgrade the grease trap because the last thing you're going to want is, no, if I don't have a tie on that information is not as valuable, that's bullshit. And I just think that that kind of stuff is, is basically what I'm trying to say is I'm Tom Brady. Is what I'm trying to get at. 
<laughs> I found my cut. I don't want to drag this out any longer than I have to. Um, I love it. I love it. So, yes, I get out of Michigan, man. I, I get out of, you know, we do our thing at Michigan. Um, I get injured my senior year. Uh, I had a backup guy. We were running what's called a blind game where my head is away. He's coming across, and I'm going to cut over the top of him. He gets blown up by the guard, tear my MCL. I end up going free agent to uh, Detroit. And, uh, you know, back in the day, man, playing with guys like Robert Porsche and Luther Ellis. I mean, OGs in the game, right? And, um, you know, from there, it just kind of took a weird twist. Like, everybody wants to play in the NFL. And everybody wants to make millions of dollars. But guess what? There's only a certain amount of people in the world that are in that league every year. And guess what? It's the same number. So guess what? If there's new people coming in, there's people leaving. So. You know, took a took a twist, but uh, I was still playing the game of football, which w- I was good at, and I was going to play it till the wheels fell off. Amen. Um, it was something that I, I that I still love, but it's something that I loved and I was good at. Um, and then my agent, uh, you know, kind of uh, educated me on the CFL, the Canadian Football League, which you know most people, you know, they know from back in the seventies when you know people guys yeah. guys were making more money in the CFL than they were in the NFL, and Back and forth. So I sign up in Winnipeg, um, Manitoba, in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, nowhere. cold as what? Well, was... really, did you, were, you, were you with Detroit or were you with Miami when you went to Canada? No, I was with Detroit first. Then I went yeah. to Winnipeg. Okay. And then I came down to Miami. <laughs> okay, it's better than the reverse. And I went back to Winnipeg. Ah, yeah. And then that's I went terrible. to Montreal. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I was back and forth, man. I, you know what? I say, listen, I was happy with my career because I, I was able to play the game that I love for so long. I played yeah. 11 years professional between the NFL, the CFL, NFL Europe. Um, yeah, I might have not made millions of dollars, but I'm comfortable. I'm happy. And this is where I'm at in life, man. And and that's all I get to say, you know, and, and well, you have the experience like you have that yeah. of what it is to, you know, play with these guys at Michigan in front of hundreds of thousands of people, the NFL, that vibe, and like seeing guys playing with guys that you were watching on TV the year before. Now you're on the field with them. I mean, that is, you know, that's what kids dream about, right? That's what I dreamed about. I played division three football. I still think about it. I couldn't even play in a flag football league when, when this whole thing was over. I was like, Jesus, this is way too competitive. It was way more competitive. These guys, he's like, I don't know. They were like 30. We were like 22. We weren't, we were too hungover. Oh, dude. I've, had, I've had some invitations for the leagues and I know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to be like, that guy played professional football. Oh, I'm going to let us. I'm like, I'm out. I'll come and watch you guys. I'm not getting on the field with you. No yeah, nah. way. You know, it, yeah. it, well, it's different too, man. When you make money in it and then you go, oh, let me go do this for fun. It's like, yeah. nah, I'm good, man. I already did yeah. this. Like, I, I played football for 20 years of my life. I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, not like sh- I'm not uh, I'm not rupturing yeah. my other ACL out here playing flag football in uh, nope. Rutherford, New Jersey. Yeah, N- not happening. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I went back and forth, man, and I also switched positions. Like at, at Michigan, I was a defensive tackle. I played nose guard, defensive tackle, defensive end. When I went to Winnipeg, uh, we had some injuries on the team, and the coach came to me. He's like, "Hey, Eric, you can play offensive line." I'm like, I don't, know, I haven't played since high school, man. He's yeah. like, "We're you're gonna practice tomorrow, offensive guard." I'm like. Okay, cool. I practiced two days. I started the last 10 games of the season off as a guard. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, what did you naturally – did you naturally, like, lean towards 
Did you naturally lean towards the defensive side of the ball, or were you like, oh, cool, I like being back over here? I did not care. To me, football is a was a very simple. I was not the I was not the um, I was not a hundred percent technician, right? Like there, mm-hmm. you know. Listen, when you break it in the NFL, they break it down. Why'd you step uh, the six inches with your right foot? I was like, yeah. did I block the guy? I blocked the guy, right? Like he did. Yeah. When you went up there, there was a little bit of there was a little bit of room. You know, did you block the guy or not? So to me. Uh, I still have articles. When I went, when I transitioned from defensive line to offensive line, they didn't know what to do. I still had my mentality of a defensive tackle. Dude, I would go down 20 yards and cut safeties. Like people were like, "What is going on right <laughs> the now?" The other guys are like, yeah, "Slow down! You're making us look like." like I'm so, <laughs> and I would turn around, I would laugh at you, and I would walk back to the huddle or jog back yeah. to the huddle and get ready. Yeah. And I, I have articles from from uh, from Winnipeg that says Mr. Nasty has returned, you know, and that was my name up there, Mr. Nasty. But if you look at my penalties, a penalty is not a penalty until there's a flag in the air, right? Yeah, right, right, so. right. right. <laughs> Only a penalty if you get caught. I'll tell you what, I played safety. If I see you running at me, that's the last fucking thing I want on the face of this earth, dude. You know, and then, like, you know, then I, yeah, I mean, and then I got into some, and I got into some years up there. I actually started both ways. I would start offensive guard and defensive tackle. I played like oh ninety-eight snaps a game. You know, to me, that was my energy, and I didn't care because I was on the field. Yeah, yeah I right. was the team player. You know what? Give me a kicker, a kicker's one-bar mask with double zeros, and I'm ready to play. I don't need the armbands. I don't need the new shoes. I don't need anything. All I need to do is be on the field to help my team win. And believe yeah. me, if you were my friend, when we crossed those lines, you were not my friend yeah, right. until the game was over. Yeah. And that was it. And that's how I looked at everybody, you know? So that's how I played the game. And That's an important thing. And I think it's an important thing in business too is, you know, I, I have this, it's crazy, but I have the, I have this belief that athletes make the best teammates in, in work. I don't care if it's in a restaurant or if it's in a, in um in, in what I do now, it's a mindset. Like you know, we may be down, but look, it's only halftime. Or you know what, I lost on this one, but I got another game next week. I just got to keep going. If you don't have that mentality and that mindset, like you can't let something get you too high or too low or anything like that. I think it's it's a huge huge asset. Yeah, I know balance, it's, bro. Yeah, it's balance. No, I'll but tell you, that, you know that, that's what trying to instill in Juliana, but she doesn't get it. So like you're saying. She's like, oh, but my friends aren't on this team. They're on the other team. I don't give a shit what team they're on. Yeah. go And she's a big girl. You know, like, go out there and roll these chicks. We're all trying to get a scholarship. I, <laughs> I have no patience for it, truthfully. No. I have yeah. no patience. And the, and the understanding, you know, and, and you say this, when you're in the huddle, you get the 20 or 30 seconds between the thing, and then you go again. There's no time to think about it. It's always the next play, right? And it's the business. Hey, I didn't get a good tip on this table. Okay, yep. work a little bit harder and see what happens on the next table. You know what I mean? You have to put the work in. And the transition from the football field, 2012, I retired. I took two years off. I raised my daughter, which was probably one of the best times of my life. But to get back into it, the sales, the football really helped me with the sales. Because when I meet somebody new, I, I still feel like I'm in the huddle. I have yeah. 20 to 30 seconds to talk to this person and it could be 20 to 30 seconds or it could last two hours. Yeah. Right. And you're never going to tell me anything I haven't heard in my life before. 
Being yeah. on the bottom of football piles, bro, you know exactly what goes on. And you think you're going to tell oh me, hey, get out of my place. You do. I'm yeah, like, yeah. sir, I'll see you tomorrow. You're not going to hurt my feelings, right? right? Because you've been through this before. Yeah. And when you're tired, you do it again, right? So. Yeah, I think what's interesting, like, I mean, I'm relating this all to football, but I'm sure there are every other sport that has this kind of connection or the people have that connection if they played sports, which is. You know, when you're out there doing two days in August, it's you against you. I mean, there are other guys there, but your inner monologue is what gets you through that. Like you may be looking at the other guy, but sometimes you're so tired, you're like, "Oh my God, you know, only three more of these, you know, up downs or whatever the hell it is, you know, three thirties or sprinting." It's like it's you against you. The coaches may be yelling at you, but if you have it in your mentality that you need to like out outside affirmations or you need to compete against that person. I think that's when you kind of get in trouble. If you can kind of keep it within your little thing. I mean, is that, is that something that resonates with you? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's uh it's the time, you know, that, um, you know, it's, it's you against, and that's how I kind of broke down. That's kind of how I broke down the, the game. When I was on offense, it was me against you. And when I was on defense, I'm either going to get the quarterback or I'm stopping you. That was it. It was me against right. you. That's it. But when you're in those times, it is really, it's the mental game that you have to play. And that's how you build, that's how you build your inner strength and your yeah. understanding that, listen, the world is a roller coaster. It's going to go down, but guess what? It's going to come back up. You know, I got beat yeah. on that plane. Guess what? I get the, I have the opportunity to line up again to do better. Right. And, yeah. and I think that across any, in cross business, across a, you know, I went out and I put a, a, a bit on this. Guess what? I can get it. Guess yeah. what? There's another one, you know, right. so and it's always going to be something else. I know that. And did you have like, I think one of the best things I've ever saw about a professional athlete was actually on the golf channel. And it was a show, like a nothing show. I wasn't intentionally watching. It was just on. And it was Rory McIlroy. It was a show where like the pro would walk around and play around with like this woman and kind of talk about shots and like say like, Hey, this is the shot. This is what I would do here. And he went on his little thing. He's like, look, I don't like this shot either. This isn't a great, a fun shot for me. Like it's up against the fairway in the fringe. I got a weird angle. The sun's in my eye. I, I just practice more than you. I just put in more effort than you. This is not a fun shot for me. I just have been here before. And I think that comes to like showing up, showing up every time for what you do. And I think that matters here. You know, I get those comments on whether it's on social or about restaurant stuff or, you know, what happened to this partnership and what happened to that look, man, you show up, you go through it, and all you can do is show up and check yourself and, and make sure that you're you're okay with yourself. I think that's a big, big piece. Oh, that's, I mean, dude, 90% of it is just showing up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? For real. 90% For real. Is, is just showing up, man. I mean, yeah. you're going to have your opportunities, and you better be prepared, but 90% is just is showing up. I mean, that's a, that's the a short of it right there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy, but that's life. You know, speaking of showing up, you had some opportunities to show up at some great restaurants when you were in Montreal. I mean, to me, that's oh. the I mean, this is a restaurant podcast. <laughs> it's a religious moment. Everybody sh light the candle, turn the lights down. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, talk a little bit about that. Do my if my I wife, closed, by the way, what's that? I love that your eyes are closed, by the way. You're so well, like, you know what I'm really thinking about right now is I'm, I'm remembering all the amazing nights that I had in Montreal because now my gallbladder is gone, which uh -huh. if you don't know, the gallbladder breaks down oh, fats. Man. 
I am going to have to go straight seafood when I go back to Montreal because it's not going to work. It's not, you know, I can't have um, the foie gras stuffed pig's foot at the Pita Cachon anymore. But these guys, to me, you just, I have chills again, brother. Like this (laughs) is a, if my wife would have taught and and switched to McGill, the Anglophone College in, in Montreal, I would still be in Montreal. One mm. of my favorite places in the world, mm. and I love these guys. But we would go up there. I became so. I'm going to tell you the story of the first time that I went to the Alpe de Cochon, um, which Martin Picard, one of the rock star chefs in Canada, in the world. The right? world, yeah. My wife has a friend up. I have a roommate. We're going to go to dinner, and in about two, three weeks before, she reads in the Farmer's Guide. If you like meats and foie gras and all this rich food and that, you definitely have to go to the Alpita Cachon. But be patient because you can't get a reservation, right? At this time, <laughs> we're talking 2006, 2007. He was one of the top 10 places oh, yeah. in the world to fly to. Oh, and yeah. So yeah, of course. She calls. She calls. Yeah, we'd like to get a reservation for tomorrow. They're like, no, three weeks. I'm like, What? I'm like, I don't wait three weeks. Like, what is three weeks later? We go and we we have our dinner and she brings her friend, my roommate. We go there and I'm thinking in my mind, I'm like, okay, if if this is how this place operates, I got to wait like another couple months. I'm ordering everything on the menu, right? Like this is the time I'm playing defensive tackle. I just got the Montreal. Like I can eat, I can eat it because I know tomorrow I'm going to burn this up. You need it for the furnace. Oh man. So he, uh. So we, I have the Sugar Shack cookbook right here, actually. Dude, I got all of them right there, bro. <laughs> Joe Beef, I got the Insane. everything, man. Tokay. So oh yeah. And it, it's dude, I um just a so we, we sit down to dinner, we order everything, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the best food ever. This is the coolest thing. I mean, we're ordering foie gras, everything. I think we ordered everything besides the pig head, which <sighs> I didn't Gotta know. Go my, uh, yeah, I didn't know how the girls <laughs> were gonna take like a, a, yeah. a head on the table, right? So we order everything, and now I'm I'm leaning back in my chair like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got the meat sweats. I'm tired, and so Mark, who is a partner of the Pete Cachon, he was our he was our waiter, and he comes up and uh, he says, I I understand that you guys play for the Alouettes, and I said, yeah, you know, it's our first time here. Thank you, thank you so much for coming. But I want to, I want to introduce you to somebody. And I said, Oh, man. he says, uh, I want to introduce you to the chef owner, Martin Picard. He's he's sitting right behind you, and I'm like, Oh, okay, cool, man. He comes over, and he was such an Alouettes fan, but didn't have the connection to the players or the team, right? And that relationship from that night, what went down at that moment, we yeah. became amazing amazing friends and he turns to mark and he says will you have a drink with me and i said absolutely <laughs> mark get um are the ladies drinking are the ladies drinking i'm like i think they're good okay so the four of us get eight uh car bombs eight car i can't drink water right now i have so much meat. you just have 40 pounds of meat yeah exactly <laughs> he brings the first one over and I'm like, I look at my roommate and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to be able to do this. And Martin says, okay, you know, cheers. Thank you for coming to the Peter Cachon. And we do it. And I'm like, whew, whew. 
I'm, I'm sweating. I'm like, this is not, this is not good. Okay, let's do one more, one more for good times. I'm like, so much liquid. Yeah, you're running I out said, of space. This is a real estate. You're, like, you're killing me right now. So we do the second one, and he turns to me and he goes, "I want to thank you, Mumun." And I'm like, "Mumun." And in in French, it's a derogatory term, and I come to find <laughs> out later what it means. And so from that point on, anytime we did a car bomb, I made sure that I beat him because he smoked us. He <laughs> that guy drank those things. He like caught it you, was, yeah, he caught you. At a oh, he, he put us to rest. But Martin and I became very, very close for many, many years. Um, where he introduced me to everybody from Fred and David, Joe Beef, um, you know, to Normad at Tokay, to Charles, who worked with Normad, who opened, uh, you know, uh, his own oh, place. Yeah, you know, he, Montreal Plaza. No, yeah. oh, who's the guy that oh, opened okay. up in uh, Long Island City? Oh, Ug, Ug, yeah. Ug was part. Ug was part of. Yeah, he's still doing his place in Long Island City as well. Yeah. Um, but meeting those guys and you just figured out real quick that everyone cared about everybody. It was about elevating Montreal on a platform yeah. rather than your specific restaurant, yeah. and it was mind-blowing to me oh you can hear me? yeah i got you okay cool um yeah see those things are great until they die right but it's that sound this sounds good too okay cool 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 <laughs> um but no when he introduced me to those guys you figured out very quickly that it was about elevating the platform rather than yeah. individual places right and just i mean you know, and, and then I understood the chef mentality really was, dude, their happy hour started at one o'clock in the morning <laughs> and me playing ball. That was a balance that I had to like, I had That's to take it. it down. But, you know, we did what we needed to do. And, you know, I, I we went to the Great Cup, which is a Super Bowl eight, nine and ten. I won back to back in nine and ten. So That's it was amazing. like play hard, party hard. Yeah, I was partying with the best of them, but on the field, like there was there were certain times that I knew exactly when I could play and when I couldn't. And yeah. I had to tell those guys, I got to throw up the I got to throw up the peace sign to get out of here, bro. I got stuff to do, man. And yeah. you know what? It was it was good. But started inviting Martin to the to the to the games and we would hang. I mean, it was just a it was a beautiful thing and just beautiful people, man. I mean, I think if if you listen to this show and you don't know any of those restaurants that he just mentioned, then. You are you're suspended. You're not allowed to listen anymore. <laughs> but yeah. it was it was amazing because I would I rented from Martin Picard. He owned a couple buildings, and I lived in his place. I actually lived in his apartment for a month and a half after training camp. And the funny thing I find out is, you know, Montreal is hot as hell in the summer, but they don't oh, have AC, yeah. right? Mm, so I have this huge like it's like a it's like a plane propeller fan in there, and I'm like. Oh my gosh! And and just blowing out air around, dude. There's no microwave because they don't microwave food there. They cook yeah. it, they eat, right? They yeah. they prepare so different than how we eat in the states, man. It is you shop every day for the food that you're gonna eat that day. I love that's that. it. Everybody goes to the market. You go to the depano. You pick up what you need. But he has a he has a six burner gas stove in his kitchen, and I'm like. We got to turn this thing on. It's 105 in here right now. And this is how we got to go. I'm like, yo, I think I lost 10 pounds just by yeah. living in his place. Yeah. But he took me to family on a trip. He let us stay there. And then I moved right below him. And some funny things about it, man. I'd, I'd hear like this little tap on the on the window sometimes. And I'm like, 
what the, my wife was gone. I was like, what the hell is this? I look out the window. There's a bucket with a bottle of wine in it. It says, Eric, it is time to have a drink, but I don't feel like walking downstairs. And it was a bucket of wine that he just put through his window. That's and I was like, these guys, I mean, I'm a huge cigar guy too, man. So him and I, I mean, we've spent so many hours enjoying cigars and just sitting down and like talking life. And, and the funny thing was, you know, when you're in Montreal, a majority of them speak English. And he always used to ask me, am I okay? And I said, Martin, you need to understand your English is much better than my French. Yeah. We're going to get along. We'll be fine. Very, we're going to do all right. But then, you know, he would take me into the back, you know, into the kitchen of Tokay and just to see wow. the operation. You had so many worlds in that restaurant game that was like, you could go, and these guys were fans, you know, they were friends and they helped each other out. But you would go from like a Peter Cachon to just gluttony of the world. I mean, we'd all seen Anthony, you know, Bourdain, yeah, yeah. God bless. I mean, you know, just an OG yeah. in this game that, you would go there and sometimes those dishes were put out and you were like, there's no way I'm getting through this. Like, what, what thank you, you, but I have, you know, other things to do this week. I gotta, yeah. I gotta be able Bro. to move around. I mean, yeah. I remember him, you know, when they opened, so Toke, Normand Le Priest and, and uh, Charles Antoine uh, opened uh, Brasserie Tea in where the jazz festival is and all, they opened a, a Brasserie there. And I remember um, I had a game the next day and Martin calls me and I had a, I had a roommate and he says, Eric, I need you to show up at uh, Brasserie where we're going to do a thing. Well, a thing to Martin could be a thousand, right? Like, you know, I don't know what I'm. Yeah, that sounds way vague for a guy know, like him. Yeah. He says, but I need you to be there at seven o'clock. So I, I take my roommate, we go down there and he says, uh, I, I don't want to tell you yet, but I have a friend coming. And um Charles is there, Normand is there, Martin is there, and my roommate and a few other guys. And uh, and who walks in is Anthony Bourdain. And he's like, now we will film the show. He goes, I want you to be on, on the show with me. So we did Montreal, the layover. Wow. And so we did the show together. And um, I remember, you know, meeting Anthony and, and hanging out with him for the for the time. And it was, uh, it was what a, just an amazing guy. What an amazing guy yeah. for what he did and, and, you know, what he went through. And then we realized, you know, now because it's on the forefront is mental illness, right? Yeah. I mean, these people are on the, they're on the summit, right? Of the mountain. Yeah. And it's like, what happens? You know, I, I played, you know, just uh, another guy was Junior Seau, man. God yeah. bless him. I, I uh, you know, I played with Junior in Miami and, you know, I used to go to his house in Rancho Santa Fe. I used to meet him in Vegas. We used to, you know, we used to hang another, wow. another cigar guy that, you know, him, but just to, just to understand, like you, you bust your ass your whole life to become better at what you're doing. And then you get to the top. And, you know, sometimes I think it's very lonely, even though that we see, yeah, right. what do we see? We see glamor and glitz and they travel the world and they eat in the best restaurants. They do whatever they got, but something is behind there that, needs to be discussed and i think we're on a forefront of uh of a movement really of being okay you know it's it's okay to not be okay right yeah, and it's right. okay to talk about these things so it was a blessing to get involved with those guys i still keep in touch i still go to montreal twice a year the cabin of sook the sugar shack he opened yeah. i mean i remember sleeping in the pump station with martin and like dude oh, we went, 
That's called passing out. I don't think it's sleeping. I think it's actually about. Well, that. when you woke up and you found the twelve <laughs> bottles of wine and the and the box oh, of cigars, Jesus, and you're like, God. I'm sleeping on a bear rug in a flannel shirt. I'm like, nothing more Canadian than that. What's going on, man? Yeah. It's like, oh, we we watched the pump last night, and here we are. I'm like, God, I love you. You are yeah. you are such an amazing person. That's very insane, close to my heart, dude. though. Just um, an amazing human being. That's awesome. I know that they're struggling up there right now with uh, they're kind of in tough shape up there. Aren't they in full lockdown in Montreal? Dude, it's like I got guys tough. that I played with that still live in Montreal, and they they have like eight o'clock curfews and like yeah. stuff like that. I mean. You know, no. we're we're inching back in Manhattan. Like we never thought anything would ever happen to Manhattan, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah, yeah no. they're having a they're having a difficult time as well. So, but as soon as that border opens, I'm heading north. No. I will be in Montreal. Yeah, hell yeah! I just have to eat different this time. That's all right. You you not, it's not it's not like you haven't had it before. So you're you're good. I think you got, well, that's another thing, yourself. man. Working working in the in the way that we do and and what we what we've been through. You know, you in the restaurant business and what you're doing now. There's a lot of things that we've seen and uh, and done. And it's okay to pause every now and then, man. You know, yeah, for sure. Just say, listen, I can I can change lanes. Yeah, 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 so. exactly. Well, speaking of changing lanes, what was let's let's before we sign off here, tell me a little bit about what you're involved with now. This organization we were talking about. Yeah, man. So besides spending, uh, so yeah, I was furloughed for one year, um, which was an eye-opening experience for myself. Um, always grinding, always trying to do get ahead, you know. And when you're on furlough, I mean, besides the opportunity to spend with my family and my kids, you know, that was my silver line. And I joined, uh, uh, I got an email, man. I retired in 2012. I get this email, uh, about a year ago, um, from a organization called MVP, which is, uh, merging combat vets and ex-professional players. I don't know how they got my email. I have no clue. I get the email. I show it to my wife. I said, man, maybe I should go do this. Um, so at, uh, Henzo Gracie's, um, uh, training Academy down in Manhattan, uh, March 11th, I think they launched their fifth city, um, of New York. So the backstory of MVP, like I said, it's merging combat vets and professional players when the uniform comes off, really, it's about the transition into life. And, and those are two, two categories that really understand each other in the transition phase. Right. So Jay Glazer um from fox sports i mean he's been a huge trainer with the ufc and uh he owns a, a gym called uh unbreakable out in la uh, about five years ago he started this organization with nate boyer who was a vet and also mm -hmm. a player and um you know he played at university of texas he played with seattle uh for a little bit they joined this uh they built this platform um mvp and they have uh, la vegas Chicago, Atlanta, New York was launched last year, and then they just launched their sixth uh, city in Seattle. And, um, you know, that was my silver lining during this pandemic. Not that the pandemic's over, but that last year of my life, I joined on the only in-person session on March 11th. Mm. Um, I walk into this dojo, you know, training facility, right? And I'm like, yo, there's a lot of people here. I look around, I'm like, Michael Strahan, Jay Glazer, like, and all of a sudden it's like, Here's your trainers for tonight, Hoist Gracie and Randy Couture. I'm like, yo, we're about to like, what are we yeah, doing? You're about to get an armbar. Yeah, exactly. What did I get into? And so what it is, the platform is, again, it's for the transition of those, of those two categories. And the first half hour, they're about an hour and a half sessions. The first half hour is a workout where you're getting the sweat, the blood, everything, your, your adrenaline pumping. 
And then, um, and then you sit down, man. And then you, uh, what we call the huddle and we sit down and we tell our stories, man. We unpack our backpacks. We, uh, we tell our, you know, we talk about our wins and our losses and you really figure out that you're not alone, man. If you're struggling with something, I guarantee somebody in this circle is dealing with the same shit you're dealing with. Right. So that's so uh, a support group for these guys who have gone through a lot of physical, physical stuff, being away from the family. There's a lot of similarities, right? Being away from their families, yeah. getting injured, like that kind of stuff. So is that what it is? I mean, because I know we've talked about a lot of different things, but it's, it's really just to support one another as they're kind of going through some, some of that yeah. thought, thought process. Wow. It's a, it's a, it's a peer to peer platform, you know, where, where you're talking with guys who actually did the same things that you did. Cause so people can relate, you need other people who can relate. Yeah. Absolutely. Listen, you can right. talk to a psychiatrist and just yeah. because she's got that thing on her wall. Yeah. She may or may not understand what you actually went through. Yeah. As a vet or as a professional player. Right. And so this organization, um, again, is, is very, very close to my heart. Uh, Non-for-profit. Um, and, you know, if anybody's out there, it's vetsandplayers.org. Um, you can sign up to your respective chapter, but you can mm -hmm. also visit other chapters. So if you're a New York chapter member and you can't make it, we have there's a session once a week and you, you're able to join. But say you're somewhere else and you got to hit up Chicago, you're, you're mm -hmm. able to jump on that platform as well, which is run this, you know, kind of in the same manner with the workout and the huddle right after. Um, so you can join. There's now six chapters. And uh, yeah, man, I've, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about myself, but I've also learned a lot about the transition of veterans and, um, yeah. you know, it wasn't huge. It wasn't a huge part of my life growing up. Like, you know, my grandfather's fought in world war two and that was about the extent of my relationship to that no, side thing, of, the, yeah. of life. But now I got a lot of brothers and sisters that, uh, we support each other on a daily basis, you know? So it's a, it's a very special thing, man. That's very cool. And your commitment to that is pretty regular. Like you have to go to these meetings and you're kind of having back and forth and that, that's very cool. We, once cool. a week I go, man, once a week. But you know what's really cool about it is the relationships that are built, we call them between the huddles, right? The relationships that are built outside of that that evening that you that you spend with these guys is really where you're building the relationships and, and fortunate to have people. And you know what? Without this, without this Zoom and without these platforms, I I would have never met no. any of these people, right? right? There's probably 90% of the people on there that I've never met in, in real life. But you know what? For me, I feel so comfortable talking about what I need to talk about on this platform because I know someone else is dealing with the same thing. So yeah. for me, it's a, uh, it's a blessing, man. It's my silver lining. And um, again, I'm going to, I'm going to ride it to the wheels fall off. I mean. <laughs> Hell yeah. Right. I mean, that seems to be the theme. Well, look, man, this was great. We can go on for another hour, but I think we both got some things to do. So what, 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 what can people like, what, what's the, what are we, what are we promoting here for you? Like, are you only certain people can talk to you if they're in New York, right? So that's a different thing. But I think I don't know. Do you have anything you want to promote other than the the, the association you just mentioned there? No, I mean, listen, I'm uh, you know, again, I'm in the I'm in the restaurant business. You know, I'm I'm working uh, with Empire Merchants. Um, I'm on the sales side. If people are open to new places, you know, definitely reach out. I, I I'd love to have the at least the discussion, right? Yeah. And that's all we want. That's all I want. I want the discussion and we can build relationships from that point. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and on the other side, again, MVP has been, you know, my saving grace and, and understanding that, you know, 
again, it's a, it's an opportunity, you know, for combat vets and ex-professional players to be able to kind of unpack what they've been carrying around and, and realize that it's okay to share, you know, because yeah. if we're not talking about things, we're, we're, we're holding it in. And, and that's, we all know the volcano, right? Not At good. some point it's going to erupt not and it's good. either going to be good or bad. You yeah. know? So, um, again, yeah, that's it, man. Like, and, you know, Whoever wants to have a cigar, I'm in, bro. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, if you want to have a cigar and you can't find anybody in the northern Westchester area, southern Westchester, Manhattan, I know a guy. Oh, Everybody yeah. knows a guy. All oh, right, yeah. brother. Hey. We'll be in touch. Appreciate Enjoy it, brother. Weekend. Thank you for the time. Always. You have a great backdrop for Zoom, by the way. I just want to let you know that. If nobody's ever told you that. You yeah, it's real. Yeah. It's all real, by the way. Is that people that Is are like real? in space? I'm like, bro, what do you like? What do you what do you want to say? <laughs> exactly. You know, I know those were cool uh, for like a while. I, I, was gonna, like... I was gonna let me see if I can turn this. See the picture on the wall there? Yeah. That's Martin Picard. Oh, that's amazing. So it's a it's a huge portrait of him, like uh with uh small little pictures all put together. Oh, that's but really just cool. an OG man, a lot of love for Montreal, the people. I mean, it's good, man. Life is good, bro. I can't complain. That's it. You could, but nobody would listen, right? That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, brother. I'll be in touch. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, man. Enjoy. Bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to the National Restaurant Owners Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our time with Eric. Um, I told you, super fun guy, super laid back. Uh, I appreciate the time, brother. Um, also, want to make sure you guys are sharing the podcast and continue to please send in your, you know, your insights, your comments, your thoughts on the show. And um, I will continue to read them on the show. And it's been something that's been, it, it just feels good that you guys are connecting with what's going on here. So uh, I will read one at the end of, of this little outro. Um, I want to remind you guys to follow us over on Instagram at restaurant underscore owners underscore podcast. Also subscribe on the YouTube channel and give you the heads up and let you know that uh, next week will be another bonus episode or the next episode next uh, couple days will be a bonus episode with me. And I'm going to dive into what makes a restaurant scalable. Some of the things you need to put in place. If you're thinking about opening up a restaurant concept or have a restaurant concept and you need to adapt some of your current systems and stuff. Uh, I'm going to dive into that, uh, here in the next couple days. So pay attention to that. That'll be episode 70. Um, but let's get into that, uh, review. And I have to tell you, you know, I was just putting together some stuff, um, a media kit type of thing. And it is just, you know, it feels good that you guys are connecting with the show in the way that I had hoped. So uh, I will gladly read all of your reviews here um, on the show. And it's, you know, it is, you know, you put it out there and you hope that people um, receive it the way you mean to, to have it received. And so I love, uh, I love reading these, but um, here we go. Thanks for taking the time to put this together. Awesome to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly on our own time. Spot on in so many ways. Keep it up. I hope more of your audience shares the love. So uh, that is from my man, AJ at AJ's Burgers in New Rochelle. Thank you, sir. I appreciate all the support. Um, AJ has been rocking all through the pandemic. He built the outside patio. He's changing the menu. He's got new offerings. So he's a true restaurant lifer. So I appreciate that type of support from dudes like him. So thank you, sir. Uh, all right, guys, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for checking out the show, and I will see you in a few days. Take care.